Welcome to the Metamorphosis Podcast. It's episode 10 and Val and Jen here. Hello. Say, <laughs> Say hi. Hi, hi. <laughs> um, today we're going to start the year off right with alignment and knowing yourself better so you're not fighting bad habits. Um, and you know, that way you're understanding yourself better, why you do things, how you think, and how to be your best self. Yeah, we spent most of 2018 figuring this out sure because <laughs> if you listen to our first episode, we were in a stuck place. We thought, you know, we really care about this business that we do and we want to do it well, but we didn't feel like we were there. So we spent 2018 really getting to know ourselves. And one of the tools that we used this past year to figure that out was the Enneagram. And it's another personality test and I'm the queen of personality tests, but there is something about this one that's different. Um, I felt like instead of boxing your personality in and just giving you excuse for all the things that you do, um, it really helps you understand the lens in which you see the world and that we aren't bound to that lens. It's just our natural tendency. And when you learn more about your natural tendencies, you actually give yourself power to get out of your own way and become who you were meant to become. Um, the one, a quote from a book that I read on the Enneagram this past year, the book was called The Road Back to You, said, as long as we stay in the dark about how we see the world and the wounds and beliefs that have shaped who we are, we're prisoners of our history. And how many of us have gone in the same pattern over and over again and wondering why that's happening? And that book is by um, Ian Morgan Cron, and he's an Episcopal priest, author, and trained psychotherapist in Nashville. And his co-author was Suzanne Stable, a social worker and minister's wife. It's a great read. I did resource. not know he was in Nashville. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. The, so the Enneagram is, is a test. It's a personality test. And it gives you a number. And there's nine total numbers. And, you know, all of these are connected and describe all the nine distinct personality traits. And so if you take the test, you might see, you know, when you get your number, you may see yourself um, in a little of all of the numbers, but there'll be one that stands out um, as the closest to who you are. And once you get your number, number, you're, I can't talk. Once you get your number, um, you'll also find out what your area of growth or strength is, but also your area of stress or weakness. So we all have strengths and we all have uh, weaknesses. Um, and, you know, we're not just stuck in this one box or description, but we actually have some responsibility to know when we're growing in a healthy direction or stuck in an unhealthy place. Yes. So I'm a five. And fives are um, your typical, you know, investigator, love to learn, um, little sometimes uh, scientific nerdy people. Um, and what I learned about myself with that was completely, I mean, I knew that from, I took the Myers-Briggs and I thought, oh, okay, I'm basically a little scatterbrained, um, uh, mad professor, you know, absent-minded professor kind of thing. That was the view I had of myself. That was even the little caricature when I took the Myers-Briggs test it showed this crazy little wiry, wiry haired guy with a beaker in his hand. And he looked like, you know, absent-minded professor. And I thought, okay, well, that, that explains why I'm always, um, you know, scattered and um, hate social situations and feeling awkward and all of that. And that I realized when I learned about the Enneagram, that my area of growth is an eight. An eight is like, Bill Gates, um, Jane Goodall, like these people who made major strides and change in the world. And so I learned that when I'm healthy, I'm supposed to be self-confident and decisive. And that is not who I was living up to be. And when I'm stressed, I grow in the area of a seven and their, and their unhealthy tendencies, 
where I become withdrawn and very scattered and not able to focus on one thing long enough to finish it or see it through. And so it really helped me to see that it's not my destiny to be this scattered person that, you know, has trouble functioning. That is actually when I'm most stressed. And when I get in a healthy place, I'm very productive, very confident, very decisive. Yeah. And then, okay. So I took the the short version. Huh? This is the funny part. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. So I took the short version of the test and you can take the short version for free, um, on enneagraminstitute.com. Um, or you can take the longer version. I think the longer version, um, I I don't know if it costs like $10 or something. I I haven't taken it yet, but I took the short version and I originally got, um, a two, which is the helper. And I read it. And while I definitely could see parts of myself in that, um, I didn't totally identify with it. There were aspects of it. Um, twos have a tendency to help out of, um, I don't know, a kind of a neediness. They, they need people to need them. Right. And I, I wouldn't say that I, um, serve or help out of that place. And so I just was a little bit confused by it. So Elisa, who, if you guys listened to one of the episodes a while back, she is a counselor and she told us that, um, a lot of women in the South mistype as twos. Um, when we answer the questions, somehow we end up twos, but we're not. And so when when people mistype as twos, they're actually sometimes eights. And so twos are very giving and compassionate and, you know, all that. But what I discovered was that while I love serving, the core of my personality was much more forward and direct. And I tend to see solutions when others don't. Um, so based on Elisa's recommendation, I looked at the eight and it everything made sense to me. Like I completely identified with the eight and a healthy eight will be warm and compassionate like a two, but an unhealthy eight will be indecisive and scattered like a five. So basically when Jennifer and I are both in unhealthy places, we're erect together. (laughs) Yes. I'm the worst version of you. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, so when we really begin to understand our tendencies and we're able to catch ourselves not just feeling stressed, but acting out of fear. I mean, we know when we're stressed, but when we actually know what our tendencies look like when we're acting out of fear and we're making these poor choices, we actually have so much more control um, to not make the mistakes that keep us stuck in the patterns that we find ourselves stuck in. Yeah, true. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, that's great, but what do I do about it? Um, We have some tools to help bring awareness to your situation. And, you know, you're learning to have a short conversation with yourself and inviting God to speak into you and give you a bigger picture than what you can see on your own. Um, That's what brings awareness. And it gives you a starting place or, you know, a blueprint on how to get to a healthier, happier place. Something that we do, we we try to do it, maybe not perfectly, maybe not every day, but definitely when we feel stressed is we ask ourselves a couple of questions and, um, I will insert, we have this app and it's, uh, the name of it is soul time and it's Christian meditation and it's Danny Silk is the creator of it. And he has some amazing meditations that guide you through these thought processes. So if you're not confident in journaling, get that app and do the free meditations that are on it. And it helps you to discover a lot of this kind of stuff, but get the app you know, just to hear Danny Silk's voice. It's the yes. most, it's like liquid gold. Yeah, his voice is like butter. It is amazing. (laughs) Oh, um, so if, you know, whether you get the app or not, here is an awesome thing that you can do with a friend or with a journal 
I do recommend journaling it out, even if you talk it out with someone, because when you get thoughts out of your head and on paper, they have so much less power over you. They're less daunting and they actually make more sense when you can actually look at them. Um, it may not be the most fun thing in the world to look at your thoughts on paper, especially if they're stressful or um, not your best self, but it is helpful. So what we do, and Val and I do this together sometimes when we feel ourselves in a really stressed situation, we're like, okay, if you could describe how you feel in a word picture, like if your brain could paint this picture of what you feel like right now, what does it look like? And for me, I was um, in a really busy season of my life the past fall going into winter and I'd been around a ton of people and my personality type is I am, I am introverted. It is my tendency to want to save my energy and not be around a ton of people. So when I've exposed myself to a lot of people, I like want to crawl into a cave and hide. But I had this really odd feeling that I was like on this mountaintop. So I felt fully exposed. There was no cave. And I had been, you know, exposing myself in classes and teaching and doing online classes. And, you know, we've been doing this podcast and my, my tendency, my nature is to hide away from people. And that's not what I was doing. So I felt like I was on this mountaintop and the wind was really rough in my, you know, I just, I didn't like the feeling of it. And I just wanted to curl up in a ball <laughs> and um, hide away. And so that's the first step is look at your word picture. Um, how does it describe what you feel and where you are? But then ask yourself, does that word picture line up with God's truth, his promises that he gives us? And so I felt very alone on the mountaintop. And obviously there's so much scripture about how God will never leave us alone. He always gives us what we need. All we have to do is ask. And so in that moment, I can make a choice to either retreat and go with my natural tendencies, which I might need a little rest. I might need a day to myself, but I don't need to stay there. You know, my natural tendency is, oh no, people stress you out. Don't do that again. But what I learned when I asked God if that's his truth, he's like, no, I've, I've got this and I'm helping you. And I came out of it um, in about a day where normally I would bounce back. And this is what happened in my business in the past. I would exhaust myself and I would quit and I wouldn't go back to it until I had recharged several months later. And you can't run a business that way. You can't, you can't, you know, deal with people and be successful in dealing with people that way. And so I had to overcome that part of myself and had it not been for the Enneagram, I'm not sure that I would have um, noticed that pattern. Yeah. Well, and so one night when I got in bed, I literally laid down and, you know, it was the first time all day I'd had to even like have a moment of silence. And all of a sudden this picture popped in my head of like a mouse being hung by the tail. Like I felt like I was literally being hung upside down by the tail. And, you know, with my Enneagram number and eight, like a large part of my personality is that I like to be in control. I want to fix all the things. I want to be in control. And I had been, and I'm continuing to, as we're changing all these things in our business and we're, gosh, we're just up in our game a lot um, in doing what we really feel called to do. It's, there's a lot that we're doing that I, is new to me, you know, and it's, and I'm learning. And in the meantime, it was, you know, the middle of the holidays, there was a million things going on. And I just literally felt like, I was hanging in the air upside down by the tail. And the next day I talked with Jennifer about it. And, you know, once again, it's like that feeling of not being in control is very uncomfortable to me and can easily lead me to a very unhealthy place um, where I'm trying to fix all the things in my own power and I'm striving and um, living in a way that 
doesn't speak to God's truth. And so, you know, in that, Jennifer and I talked it out and it's like, okay, no, at no point am I hanging upside down. God has complete, um, he's covering me. He has good plans for me and all the stuff that we're doing while parts of it, you know, are challenging. Um, you know, just cause I can't control it does not mean it's not going in a really awesome direction. So, um, knowing that aspect of my personality, knowing how much I f- need to feel in control, you know, I realized that that can lead to an unhealthy place. So then I can release it. The awareness of it helps me release it in a healthy way. Yeah. <clears throat> Feelings aren't the most comfortable thing in the world, <laughs> but ignoring them is the worst thing the ever. Worst. Because, yeah. Because acknowledging them actually gives you a tool to change the way you feel. Um, so as we've mentioned in other episodes, we use essential oils to manage our mood and interrupt the thought patterns when we know we're way off base. So like we can line that feeling up with truth and go, wait a minute, I do feel this way. That is true, but it is not truth that this is the, you know, the situation. There is something I'm not seeing. I can't see the bigger picture. Um, And so essential oils affect our limbic system, which is a part of our brain that controls our emotions, sends out the chemicals and hormones needed to feel certain ways. And in some application methods, they can actually dissolve the old pattern and the muscle memory of the negativity because we store these feelings in our body and it's like a muscle memory of the same feeling over and over. So sometimes you can apply an oil once and really get breakthrough. And then sometimes you need to apply an oil regularly because the regular use of essential oils helps to support your mood. And doing that every day is gonna build new muscle memory, new thought patterns, um, and just new ways of living and thinking instead of what you're used to. Yeah. Okay, so we have a powerhouse oil that we're gonna talk about this month. Um, And this is Melissa oil. And y'all, it is a kind of expensive oil. It's about $135 for this oil um, if you're, um, going to use it, but you know, it is worth every penny and think of it this way. A typical counseling appointment is about $135 <laughs> and it's an hour. Melissa oil will last you much longer than an hour and it's worth it, um, in every drop. But as we talk more this month about resetting and, you know, just becoming more aware of ourselves and changing the things that cause us to get in our own way, we're going to be using Melissa oil in a various ways to bring more light, um, to soften the transition of the change. Um, because you know, truth can feel harsh if it's in the wrong context. Yeah. So Melissa helps to welcome the release of anything that is holding us back, um, from reaching our full potential. It gives us the feeling of reconnecting with our inner voice, um, hearing our thoughts more clearly and better and helps us prepare to up-level our game, to really grow and to become a version of our best self. It's also said to support a person through spiritual awakening, which is what we're talking about here, you know, learning to hear God's truth for us and learning to live in this place that seems completely foreign because, you know, we've, we've been stuck in an old pattern. And so spiritual awakening will guide us into um, this version of ourselves that we may not be used to. Like citrus oil, it's a citrus, like lemony kind of aroma, and it's very uplifting to the mind and energy but it's especially uplifting to the soul. It's said to support a person in remembering who they are and why they're here. I see this oil as a good one for people that are, have gone through a really rough 2018. I know I've talked to a lot of people that, that just experienced loss after loss after loss in, in 2018. And so, you know, that kind of dark night of the soul time, it's really good for people who have been through that. It sheds light. And um, when we're in the depths of hopelessness or 
self-doubt or feeling desperate and able to go forward. Melissa Oil can open us up to the potential of joy and teach us how to allow it to flow through us in our life again, especially when it seems like, you know, a pop dream to the Senate, because when you've gone through, you know, harsh situation after harsh situation, it, it, joy just seems like this far distant thing that isn't attainable. And um, you've closed yourself off to the possibility of good. So it lifts us up out of those dark places and back into light and hope. Yeah, and we'll be sharing a lot more tips and recipes in the next few episodes on how to use Melissa oil specifically. But for now, um, if you have Melissa oil, place it on the back of your neck and behind your ears. It's a really great um, place to start. And you can use a couple drops of Melissa oil in an Epsom salt bath uh, to feel calmer and more in control. That actually sounds amazing. I may go do that <laughs> really soon. I think I'm going to put that on my list today. Yeah, there you so go. We get, more tips. we get more tips in other episodes, but you probably can't handle those yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll break into this slowly. <laughs> We're going to ease into this. So look for our next episodes and learn more about Melissa, more about connecting with yourself, and more about thinking through these negative, stinking, thinking thought patterns. 